Hello and welcome to the Tai Chi Notebook podcast. This is the sister podcast to the Tai Chi Notebook blog where I get to talk to some of my favourite martial artists about life, the universe and everything. First, a bit of housekeeping. We have a couple of patrons to thank. First, the Woven Energy podcast is sponsoring us. And secondly, thanks to Ed. Your support enables me to keep the lights on around here and provides you with content. Plus, there are exclusive video clips and articles already in the patrons area. Go to patreon.com forward slash Tai Chi Notebook to check them out today. For only £3 a month, you can support the podcast and get some exclusive content. So, my guest today will need no introduction to anyone who trains the Chinese styles of Shingi and Bagua, especially in the States. Tim Cartmall is a lifelong martial artist who spent a good few years living in Asia, learning the internal arts, and is now the head jiu-jitsu coach at Ace Jiu-Jitsu Academy in Fountain Valley, California. In this podcast, I asked Tim about his training tips, especially for older martial artists, where he thinks martial arts is going in the future, and his approach to combining all the arts he knows into a single, principle-based approach. You can find out more about Tim at his website, shenwu.com, and don't forget to check out the Shenwu Martial Arts Group on Facebook. I haven't talked to Tim before, but many of the people I've had as guests on the podcast have rated him very highly and recommended him to me. And now I know why. For somebody with so much experience of martial arts, Tim is a very humble and genuine guy. And I hope you'll discover the same thing too over the next hour or so. So, let's get on with it. Here he is. Hello, Tim Cartmer. Welcome to the podcast. Nice to have you here. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Nice to be here. What's it like over there? Is it sunny? It's, yeah, it's sunny. Southern California. Just uh, just like it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. We're having a bit of a heat wave over here in Britain, which is unusual for us been bad uh yeah well it we, i was on holiday last week actually during the heat wave which was quite nice to be honest because we had a pool so we could just go and jump in the pool outdoor pools in britain and uh, it's not something where we ever like really associate with britain so it's nice to be able to use one and not feel cold <laughs> yeah nice no, that's good you've got a like a like a massive history in martial arts and a I kind of don't want to do another one of those podcasts where I get you to explain who who you are and what you know when you when did you start training and everything because I think you've you've done a lot of those and I'm kind of hoping most people know who you are but for anyone that doesn't Tim Tim has got a like he's he started out doing kung fu stars in America then he I think you moved to Taiwan yeah where you did all the internal art shingi bagua tai chi and then you came back to America again back to California started teaching them and you also picked up Brazilian jiu-jitsu I think while you were in California is that right exactly yeah it's such a it's such a massive amount of uh, martial art knowledge <laughs> that you that you've acquired I don't I almost don't know where to start but uh, one thing I thought about asking you was um how do you define yourself I mean what what do you say you do these days and what would you call your vocation well I'm a martial arts teacher and uh an MMA coach. I would define myself as a martial artist. That's yeah. Simple. Yeah. Now I teach. I still teach uh, the internal styles privately and in seminars. But I am the head instructor of Jiu Jitsu Academy. So most of the time mm-hmm. I teach uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and submissions, and then I coach uh, some MMA fighters, like the the grappling coach. So uh, in my in my mind, in my own, you know, the way I would define everything. I, I don't, I mean, I, I understand the construct of the styles and, and things, but you know, I have, I have kind of a, in my mind, I have a, uni- it's a universal kind of outlook on martial arts in general. It's just people moving 
you know, there's principles behind it. There's, there's kinds of techniques and kind of things, but uh, I don't think too much stylistically anymore. Now, when I teach a style, if someone said I want to learn Shinichuan, it's, I would teach it as I learned it. I feel like that's yeah. just out of respect for, you know, so those things are separate or, you know, you, you learn to box, you learn to box, you learn to growl. But for me, I, I started fairly early on thinking conceptually. So um, I don't usually like think of myself as a, I don't know, Chinese stylist or a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu stylist per se. Interesting. So, um, so when you're teaching, you're like the grappling coach to some MMA fighters. Um, I, I guess, I mean, stylistically, it's it's just about what works in MMA in that case, isn't it? I mean, I guess you just choose from your vast repertoire of things you know, and it all comes out um, aimed at their particular person, isn't it? That's true. So you, it's the right tool for the right job for whoever wants to learn. So you know, I've talked about this for years as well. People. Um, there, sometimes they separate into camps about what they think martial arts are about. So I personally, there's a, there's a lot of reasons to do practice what, what we call martial arts now, right? Mm. The vast majority of people are, are not going to fight that, that like to practice. It doesn't mean it's not invalid and it doesn't mean they can't learn to fight. Um, some people don't really even think about self-defense. I mean, there's a whole, the whole art side to it. You know, I have a, a really good friend who's a, um, a, a really good fighter, MMA fighter, uh, multiple time jujitsu champion. And he just started doing uh, one of the traditional Japanese sword styles. You know, he likes right. to go to Hamandu and you know, it's good. And he talks about it. He goes, I'm not going to get in a sword fight, but he feels like, you know, discipline, dis all discipline, self-discipline. So, you know, the more disciplined you are, it's going to, it's going to apply to every other aspect of your life or what you do. Right. So, you know, some people like discipline in martial arts. Some people just like the exercise. They like the history. As long as you're honest with yourself about why you're doing it and kind of what your actual capabilities are, I feel like there's a lot of reasons to practice. So, you know, you get, you get, a, I get the, you know, a lot of young MMA fighters and that you couldn't, you couldn't explain in days to them why anyone would do Taiji. You know, they just wouldn't get mm -hmm. it. They don't understand. Yeah. And then, you know, you have people doing Taiji for health to think, think that's some kind of brutal, you know, sport. So I, I think, uh, you need to be honest with yourself when you start, like why you're practicing something and kind of what you want out of it. And then find, you know, find someone that can teach it to you and then you do the work. So I've always been uh, much more interested in the actual kind of practical applications of the martial arts. So, you know, even when I learned, I learned the internal, I, I fought in Sanda tournaments in Taiwan. I wanted to see, you know, like you learn these things, you want to see how, how they apply as, as advertised, I guess. Yeah, so yeah. That's my take on it. But I still do, you know, a lot of the things I learned there, like the, the principles of body use, even the Qigong set, kind of the exercise sets I learned, all that, all those things I, I found a great value in, um, even when it came to the fighting. There's a reason for all that stuff, you know what I mean? Now, mm. on the other hand, you can't, you can't expect to do forms and, and, you know, maybe some kind of like cooperative partner work and then, then be a badass. That's not going to happen either. You know, so there's there's levels of training. So you just need to be honest and, and figure out really what you want out of it. A lot of people think they they want to, you know, learn to fight and they don't really, once it comes down to that part, they're like, well, <laughs> it's not really and not not that they're, you know, not that they're they're not brave enough. It's just not it's just not really what they thought it was, kind of thing. So you just have to yeah. figure it, figure out what you want to get out of it and then train. You just have to train hard. The other thing is you need to to get to any level at any with any aspect you need to put enough time into it you know to, to to get good at it which i feel people 
sometimes, you know, they have unrealistic expectations of how long they need to train to be good at something. It's just like any other skill. You, know, you got to put a lot of time in. Yeah, I mean, that's that's absolutely true. Um, you know, most if people are training like twice a week, you know, for, for an hour, then right. you're not really going to get anywhere. I mean, it's 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 not like you're not. I don't think you're wasting your time. Um, no. There's plenty of benefits to get out of that. But you, like you say, if you if you want to do it seriously to kind of get properly good at something, you know, it, it it's a big investment in time, and um, I don't think most people aren't really prepared for that. They have no good concept of that. I think when they start. And also things that are a little more like, like when you started Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, right? When you, mm. you'd practice Tai Chi before and there's really no kind of, I guess there's competitions for forms and people push hands, but there's no real, you know, there's no real competitive like standard format. So sometimes it's hard to gauge where you, and then you do, when you started doing Jiu Jitsu, I mean, people, you compete all the time, right? People are always competing. You can mm. tell, it's funny when people start things like jujitsu as well, they don't understand even the belt hierarchy. They're like, what's the difference between a blue belt and a purple belt? But when you're actually training, it's, there's a, it's easy to see, right? You, like, you yeah, know, yeah. at your level could watch somebody roll and you could tell what belt they are. You know, you could tell, so you can, you know, you can tell like that skill level takes time to develop and then you need to be doing well against other people of your, uh, of your same belt rank, you know, or your same weight class and age, that kind of thing. And I feel, um, this is a really good thing. I feel like it, that it gives people, it's easier to chunk those goals, you know, when there's, there's more of a, uh, it's more goal oriented that way. And I feel, so some people, they want to think, they want to practice maybe the internal styles and they're like, how long till I get good at it? I don't know what that means, right? Like, how long till you get good yeah. at it? And I said, you, know, you want to be able to fight. Yes. And it's like, then you need to train, you know, it's going to take a period of time. You're going to have to train every day. It's just the way it is. So that's the other thing. Now, if you want it, it like we just mentioned, twice a week, it'll, you'll get something. It'll just take a long time. You know, it'll take enough for fitness. Maybe if you want to do things for health, that's probably not really enough. But if you practice Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu seriously twice a week, over time, you'll be a lot better grappler than, you know, you would have been, you know. So it yeah. depends. You want to be a you want to be a pro fighter. You train six hours a day. It's it depends. So you have to just be what I'm trying. My whole point is I, I feel people will drop out of things because they have an unrealistic expectations. When if they, they had realistic expectations, they would understand it takes X amount of time. They would stay in, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. being honest with your process, what do I want out of it? How much time am I willing to spend? And if you don't have that much time, it's going to take you longer. You keep training. So, um, you're the head coach at the it's ace jiu-jitsu isn't it correct yeah yeah um so do you how many older students do you have by older i mean in jiu-jitsu it's over 40 isn't it really is is kind of old um how many of those those guys do you have i'm gonna i mean it's a smaller percentage i i have uh my oldest student that's consistent uh is 69 just turning 70 he's oh, cool a, uh, he's a stud. I mean, he's an exceptional kind of yeah. person. Like just, just those guys that are glued together, like unbreakable people. So yeah. you know, <laughs> he's been Marcel, you know, a long time and, you know, he's sensible. I mean, you can re you readjust your training as you get older, but I would say, I would say, you know, oh man, I mean, 70% of my students are under 30. Oh so, yeah. 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 But I do have, I do have, I have, I have an, uh, let's see, a couple other black belts in their fifties, you know, and these guys are their higher, I don't have that many people that start at that age. You know, they seem, people mm. seem to a little, a little intimidated, although once in a while, you know, 
you'll get you'll get people to start a little older. But for the people listening, you, if you go to a you know you go to a, a good good academy and you're sensible, you can start much older and you can do much better than a lot of people think they can. I think they look at young people training super hard and competing super hard, and they go, well, "I can't do that." It's like, no, you can't do that. But you can start off slower, right? Yeah, yeah. Gradually work your way up to the point where I mean, you could roll hard with younger guys. You know, it, you, it's it's a a lot of it is just a physicality thing. And people, my experience with physicality is as, as now, as, as I get, I get older, people sell themselves way short. They, they think after 30 right. that, you know, everything's out of the ballpark. Now it's like, Oh, I can never do that. It's like, you could, you just need to be sensible about your training and put more time in. Right. I mean, you, I'm sure you yeah. see it all the time. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of you, you, the world. And then I agree too. you go to, there's some kind of, I don't know how, what to, how to call them, like maybe hardcore schools where everyone's young, everyone bangs every time they roll. You, maybe mm. you don't go to that school, but you can find yeah, you know, yeah. academies you can find where the teacher's sensible, you start off slow and you work your way up. Nice. So have you got any tips? I mean, I, I'm an older black belt. I'm in my early 50s. I've had to change the way I roll. Obviously you do. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, the key is, is, is not to try and be competitive with every role, especially right. when it's on someone who's, you know, much heavier than you and much younger. I, I just try and contain them rather than destroy them. You know, I think that's the, it, trying to do things that you used to do when you were younger, I think is, is the, the thing that, um, that I think gets people. But I mean, what are your, what are your tips for the older grappler to, to stay in the game? You know, like Jigoro Kano talks about people doing judo until they're very old. I mean, this concept's been mm. there. Uh, Helio Gracie grappled till he was 95. Now, of course, he was exceptional, but, you know, it depends on your, it can be done. So injury prevention at, at any age and level, of course, is important. But, you know, as you get older, you don't heal as fast. And you're going to, you know, you're not, you can be very, very strong when you're older, but not like when you're younger. It's just the way things go, right? So I feel mm -hmm. that, first of all, it's, it's, uh, it's everyone's responsibility. But as you get older, it's more of a responsibility for older grapplers to uh, stay in shape. And a lot of that's going to be on your own. So mm. if you go, you know, I'm older, I'll just, I'll just roll twice a week. And that's all you do. You're going to probably have a hundred percent chance of injury. Mm. So you need to condition. I mean, and we can talk about that, but you know, you, you know, you understand the conditioning. So you have to, whatever, whatever you do to keep your joints strong, stay in shape, keep your flexibility up, you know, it's okay. It's funny. Comp competition wise, endurance is one of the most important aspects it's not as important when you're old, if you're just rolling, if you get tired, you can take a break, but mm. if you're not strong enough or you're not flexible enough and you get hurt, you have to take a break. And it might be, you know, however long. So people need to condition uh, on their own to stay in shape. And then exactly what you said, you have to be re realistic with, with um, you know, your own physicality at that point and who you're rolling with. So I would suggest if you're older, and, and again, it's individual. There might be a 350 pound guy who is the safest guy in the entire academy. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. He, he knows how big he is. He's gentle. He's, and then, you know, you got a 140 pound maniac who, you know, <laughs> but in general, you know, if people are much heavier than you, especially if they're not that skilled, they usually don't mean any harm, but you know, they throw their weight around. So I would, I would stay in a, in a sensible range of weight, you know? So if you're 180 pounds, Ah, they're much over 200 pounds just don't roll you don't roll them at their especially if they're brand new so mm. uh, the weight thing's one thing and then you know there are going to be people in every academy again don't mean any harm necessarily but they just go you know they're maniacs when they roll they go really hard and that's kind of how they roll don't roll at them either 
and then mm-hmm. you find you know there's the people to roll with that are uh i mean you can roll hard hard and sensibly you know and people aren't aren't, aren't really really big and if you're tired you need to take a break other thing i i see too you know guys have been doing it forever and now they're at a point they're old enough where you know say rolling four or five rounds at the end of class they roll about three times they're already tired it's like they're in good shape for their age but you know they're tired and Mm. they don't want to sit out like i'm a black belt or i'm a you know and then you're more prone to injury so all those things are and here's the other thing no one else in the academy cares no one's going home and going oh so and so took a break he pays attention to that stuff you know it's an ego thing and yeah. then of course you like always you know you tap when appropriate and you have you have to so you know if you're a 65 year old black belt and you're rolling with a prodigy 25 year old purple belt you're probably going to tap it's okay it's the way it is when he's your age he's tapping the purple belts so all those things you know you put the, all those together and I, I feel like you as long as you're physically capable of getting on the mat you should be able to train yeah i, I always worry, worry about offending people maybe it's because i'm british <laughs> i just worry about offending people when i say i don't want to roll with you because it sounds terrible but yeah you, like you, you're you're huge dude and you're 20 like i mean you know i'm i'm five six in height so that's that's quite short <laughs> i'd have no problem with it. i mean you know you know too people understand i mean if you're you know if you just say listen i'm a little tired you know I, i'm tired today and, you're, and you know yeah. what feelings they just don't know any better yet it's it's so i feel like it's it's not you it's them you know what i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't feel bad I wouldn't, no. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't hurt someone and take a chance on getting hurt so i don't hurt their feelings you know what i mean yeah, yeah i am um, feelings in my body <laughs> yeah they're my arm yeah. <laughs> um you, you're talking about conditioning exercises then and um like what i found is the the, the chinese stuff i learned has been super useful in between jujitsu lessons to kind of keep me together you know, I mean, I, I think you've talked about this before as well, that you found a lot of those exercises are still really good. I don't, I don't know. Maybe you want to talk about that for a bit. Yeah. So I think the, the, the bottom line to all that, and there's different, you know, you can separate, separate the components of fitness. You know, you have strength, cardio, you know, flexibility, balance, but you need a kind of a well-rounded method, right? The young, the young ones tend to focus on strength too much. And then, you know, mm. there's, and older people are so you need to have a, a balance of it that's appropriate for you and then i i i think the the, the f- most important thing first is foundationally is understanding the concepts of body use so it's not so much the the method per se it's 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 the way you do it i guess is an easy way to put it the bo- a body use idea so and this is this is one of the most in, invaluable lessons that i got you know from my my chinese fathers there's mm. using your body incorrectly, doing the best exercise in the world is tearing you down. You know what I mean? So just, I mean, a simple analogy, everyone's lifted weights. So say you go to the gym to lift weights and you have terrible posture and you hold mm. your breath and your shoulders are hunched over and your spine's out of line. The more weight you lift, the weaker you're getting. You're grinding your joints away kind of thing, right? So any good, any good weight lifting trainer, any good trainer would teach you to have good posture, you know, like set your shoulders. Here's, here's how you breathe, right? And you start off with a light weight, beneficial day one. So that should carry over. So if people are lifting a heavy weight, of course, they're more conscious. They're like, oh, this is dangerous. And then they do push-ups. They do push-ups or press-ups wrong. And then in a couple of years, like, man, my shoulders are killing me. What's the, you know, and then the doctor says, well, you're older. It's, it's you know, you're doing your exercise. So you need to, you need to understand um, basic body use, you know, how you line your body up, uh, you know, kind of how the levers of your body work and, and then how to, how to work that into everything you do, because that's never changing. 
it doesn't matter if I'm stretching, I'm doing calisthenics, I'm running, I'm grappling. It's you're still in the same body, right? It's it's and, and you're in the, you know the same gravity and the same you know everything works the same. So you need to understand body use first. My experience is not so emphasized in a lot of Western uh, based martial arts or even things like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu nowadays. Overemphasize, overemphasizing things like Chinese uh, internal, where I mean, there's so much attention paid to this, they kind of forget a guy's ever going to throw a punch, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to you balance, but but that my background was I feel is invaluable because there was so much emphasis on on that kind of thing, you know, all the the alignment rules and practicing and testing the posture, and actually Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you know, they talk about base and they'll kind of make sure you're stable, but in general, there's maybe a little less explanation of it, and you kind of figure it out by rolling because there's pressure on you which is good, but that can be expedited by, by understanding it, you know, and doing a lot of solo exercises. And that's where another, one other piece of advice I give in the conditioning. So everyone knows you need to be, you need to get strong somehow. You can lift weights. I don't like to lift weights. So, you know, you can use body weight exercises. You can use gym, gym, like gymnastic apparatus. You need to be strong. You need to have at least a fundamental uh, level of flexibility. Uh, even if you're, say you do jujitsu and you go, well, I'm not flexible. I don't like that game. You don't have a choice sometimes, right? Where your limbs get pulled. So, you know, you want to have a baseline level of flexibility. And then of course, cardio, everybody knows how to you yeah. know, cardio. So one, you, but all the time you should be paying attention to how you're moving or how you're using your body, like how you're breathing, those kind of things. And then you get kind of exponential benefit. So, you know, some people will do super hard cardio and run, and then they'll stop and then they'll try to, you know, do kind of coordination exercises when they're rolling. It's you can do all that at once. So you can save time. Right. So yeah. my, my big advice would be figure out body use. However, there's all kinds of methods and then be cognizant of it when you're doing everything, when you're doing anything, right. You can be cognizant of it when you're sitting in your chair it's all the time, but especially when you're training or else you're just magnifying the problems that you've already got. And once you're in shape, <laughs> as you get older, when you're younger, say you're at X level of all around fitness and you stop working out for a while, it comes back relatively quickly. Mm. After 40, it starts to take longer. After 50, it's noticeable. After 60, not that you can't get back, get that level back, but you can't be at whatever level of fitness and say, you know, even your age and, you know, you're still relatively young. And then say, I'm going to take off a couple months uh, with the family and then jump right back into it. It's, it's just not going to, you know, it's going to be, you're going to have to take several weeks to condition back up. So for the older grapplers out or the older people that are training out there, right? You got to take your time getting back into it as well. Yeah. I find daily doing things daily is a real key. And like, if you stop doing things daily, you notice when you do them again, that you're, you're breathing harder or your, you know, your flexibility, it, it seems to go so quickly. The, the, the answer is like, if you do a little thing every day, you know, yeah. it's like that, that rusty hinge. It's like, if you just, keep it moving. It doesn't rust. You know? Absolutely. That, that's another, yeah. I, I think people, even if it's, you know, 15 minutes, people should be able to spend, you know, people don't have much time nowadays. A lot of people tell me how many time you do have time. You know, I tell you, I tell them, I, you know, you're, you're, you can always most days anyway, if I told you I was going to throw you in the ring in a, in a death Kumite in a year, you'd find time to train. You know what I mean? Oh, hell yeah. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, you can, you, you're right. Absolutely right. You, you know, a little bit every day is, is far better than too much once in a while. Right. Yeah. yeah. This might be an odd question, but perhaps there's no answer to this, but well, like which bits of the Chinese internal arts do you like most enjoy? Like if, if you suddenly had like, I've got half an hour free, 
I can go and practice something. What what would you choose out of all the things you've done? I mean, that's hard. That's a hard question. Yeah, I, I, sorry, it's a bit of a difficult one. It is how I train with this stuff, and you know, I do different things. You know, I think part of it is I've done those things so long and so much, like say forms or whatever that you know, that, mm. like they're, they're almost it's it's almost first nature. So I just feel like I just need to kind of touch them now. You know, like I don't need to practice them a lot. I just need to feel them now and then kind of thing right yeah, so yeah. i'll kind of you know one day if i have an extra time i'll run through some sets from whatever and then other days i'll, I'll do some bagwajang or something i do or there you know i kind of have that kind of a. it's it's very hard it's like children i, I can't it's hard to pick a favorite you know what i mean yeah yeah so, <laughs> i i feel like like back when i was training in those styles i mean it was there was like a method and you know you do it hours a day kind of thing and now i feel i do my own my own training i i uh i spend a lot of, I spend a lot of time on uh, things that require balance because I feel like, I mean, the strength will be included in it. Maybe, you know, I do a lot mm -hmm. of, because I, I have since I was young and I'm not saying this is a, you know, uh, a go-to for people. You don't, you don't have to do anything like this. You can do other things, but I spend a lot of times like on my hands or inverting, pressing, um, um, rolling on the ground. I mean, there's a million kind of jujitsu ground solo exercise. I have like, I have flow drills, you know, things that I like, um, bar work, you know, uh, on the chin, a pull-up bar. Pull up and, bar yeah. yeah. A lot of things, uh, single leg balance kind of things. I've spent a lot of time. I spend time an hour or so every day on that kind of thing. And oh, then nice. I don't really use any, um, equipment really except a pull-up bar. Uh, and, and yeah. again, yeah. I'm not saying, you know, everyone has their, so a lot of my, you know, a lot of people now, like, you know, in jiu-jitsu, they swing kettlebells and, and maces and, you know, all that's good. You know, you've got to do something to make, make yourself strong. It depends on what you like. I feel like it was from my background as a child and, you know, all the, all, all the internal, like, I feel like I need to be autonomous, you know, like I could just train anywhere without anything. And uh, so that's my training. And I, I condition it about an hour a day. And then I might, I might run some, you know, it depends what, if I'm, how much time I have. And then the rest of the time I'm just on the mat. And I hit bags. Oh, nice. oh, nice. I hit a heavy bag, you know, that kind of thing. Sort of techniques you find yourself gravitating towards these days in jiu-jitsu. So my game, um, I didn't start. I didn't start jiu-jitsu until I was uh, 34, I believe, when I got back from China. And uh, so I already had kind of a paradigm in my head of training. So my game is, it's. So I think a bit conceptually. I think like when I when I'm training, I'm rolling and I'm like everyone, right. I like to learn all the latest, you know, whatever Gordon Ryan is up to, you know, we're all doing it kind of, <laughs> and you know, you want to add new elements in, but I'm a big uh, believer in, in fundamentals. I know people always say this, but it's, it's true, right. You want to have yeah. fundamental wrestling skills and grappling skills and that kind of thing and understand leverage and angle, all that comes, you know, it's always going to be the foundation. So um, I'm quite flexible. So I've always used my, uh, like flexibility in my advantage in my, when I teach, I don't, I only, I try not to teach anything that requires an except, exceptional attribute, you know, like this mm. is for strong. I just try to teach, you know, jujitsu, but my, in my own game, I use the flexibility quite a bit. My game is um, it's, and it's always been slow and tight. So right. I work a lot like lately. So besides techniques, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I, I triangle a lot because my legs are longer. I, you know, I have like things I like, um, but I try to, I try to work on pressure a lot. Like lately, you know, my people have been coming for like privates for, you know, I have, I have like, I just, I think a lot about how to apply pressure 
and mm -hmm. leverage so that you can beat a, someone much bigger than you without too much speed. I feel like, I, I'm sure you've heard it. We've all heard it in jiu-jitsu. You know, they're like, well, if you're big and strong, you know, you go slow and crush. Little guys have to use their speed. That exactly didn't work for me when I was coming up. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, I would. I mean, there's a time for speed, and there, and some people have speed games, right? But mm -hmm. I would when I when I was coming up in the training, you know, I was at the, at the time I fought at 160, so I was 160 pounds, and um, I was the smallest guy in the entire like classes. A lot of times, guys are big, and I found that you know as I got close to purple belt, guys that had trained for a year or so that were much bigger and stronger, I would I could pass their guard. I'd run. I'd you know like. I'd coriander, I'd switch, and then they would just like grab my belt and stiff arm me, put me back in the guard. You know, I was like, wow, this is not because well, I couldn't, there was so much space when I moved around like that. It was hard for me. Yeah. You know? And that, and again, that, that might not be another person's problem who's fast, but I had that problem. So I had the idea from internal as well. You know, you have to stick and follow and those kind of things. And they weren't good when I was doing stand up wrestling. So I was like, I started to do it on the ground. So mm. I, that's my game. So everyone has kind of a, for the people not doing jujitsu, I mean, it's like, anything you do, you know, boxers all do the same base five punches, but they have their own kind of game. So you develop your own game. So I started developing that game when I was a purple belt. So I spent a lot of time thinking about uh, pressure and angle and leverage. This is, you know, and then I pick up other techniques, but you know, at a certain level, it's not hard to, to do the technique once you see it, once you understand techniques. And I trained with Hicks and Gracie for, he taught at his son's school a few years ago. And I, I taught, trained a couple of years in his classes. And, uh, you know, that was his advice as well. Like, you know, you get to a certain, he told me like, you know, now you need to focus your entire training on like mastering fundamentals, which was flattering. And also it meant I had, I hadn't mastered any fundamentals yet either. So I like, I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna spend some time. <laughs> so that's kind of how I think. So a lot of times when I'm rolling, you know, you know, I have a, you know, I know a lot of techniques. So I, I try to have a theme of how can I finish someone from the back, you know, I mean, I know the techniques, but better with pressure or how can I make a little different grip so it's harder to, I have more leverage. That's pretty much where I spend my, a lot of my time. Yeah, nice. Interesting. I mean, I, I, I love pressure too because I'm shorter, but just like, exactly how you say, I find that running around doesn't help me at all. Um, and like people, bigger people can just stiff arm you away. And, yeah. But then if you put pressure on them, even though you're not as heavy as they are, you know, if you do it right, it's it, it works. I don't think it's about the size anymore. It's just about, you know, putting your weight in the right place, isn't it? Um, oh, yeah. And being bigger always makes it worse, you know, to a certain extent. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But the other thing is there's still a like a yin and yang thing with it. Um, if you were the bigger you are, too, you know, now your actual body placement's different. You know what I mean? Mm. So there's a, there's a good balance for your size, like whatever size you're comfortable at. You know, that's the idea. And you're right. No, it's, it's all about, I have a, a 60 pound puppy, you know, and you, you lay on your back and she runs in and puts one paw, like in your, you know, the side of your ass and you weight on it. It feels like you got punched, you know, she, yeah. weighs, she weighs 60 pounds. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 It's always you know, about weight distribution and, <laughs> and so, yeah, I feel like, and I feel like that's a, that's a cornerstone of like good grappling in general, right? Like a good wrestling. Yeah drives his head in or a good anyone they understand how to use use weight and pressure yeah standing up it's it's still weight and pressure isn't it um and without weight and pressure there's nothing there so you know there's no threat right um, exactly. yeah. yeah 
I was I was um I was looking you up on YouTube before we we had this conversation, and I found a couple of interesting clips. And one was somebody's uploaded your entire effortless combat throws <laughs> tape to YouTube, which which I I guess you're you know you can't be that upset about it because uh, it's yeah. it's quite old now, isn't it? Um, I've got the book. Oh, nice, thank you. No, yeah, it's, the book's it's great. Old, but you know, yeah, it's old, and it's impossible to keep it off. You know? Yeah, you just can't. Yeah. I, you can't keep it offline, you know, it's the way it is. So my gift, you can always buy it, people. But you know. <laughs> I recommend people buy it off you, obviously. Yeah, so, yeah I know, it's, it's unavoidable to have it yeah. and I And I found your rolled up episode as well, which was, which was oh, a okay. nice one. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I noticed you were limping in that. Was that an injury? Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he, he goes for a sort of walk down the street with you and, and you're sort of chatting away and you're, you're obviously sort of in pain <laughs> as you're walking I haven't been completely uninjured in 30 years but no I bet I bet not no no um yeah no, that, that was that was interesting Jake Jake did a you know pretty good job with those things Udo Jake yeah I like the technique you taught at the end the, the pin as well the um the the one around the shoulder oh um, I did right I thought uh, yeah I taught it a psychotrol entry to uh, the crucifix. Yeah, I remember. A crucifix. Yes, that was it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still teach that. I still use that. Yeah. 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 So, I, yeah. I, I, I tend to only crucifix people like from turtle, but um, it made yeah. me think that maybe I should do it for psych control too. <laughs> yeah, turtle's a standard, right? The most common, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah those were, uh, that was quite a while ago now. But... So um, here's another general question for you. Like, if there's something that you wish you'd, you'd known a lot sooner in martial arts, what would it have been? And like, you know, if, if, if you could go back in time and tell the younger Tim Cartwell, just do I, this one thing, <laughs> what would it be? I don't know about just one thing. Um, that's a good question, actually. I, excuse me, probably judging, and again, I don't want people to take this the wrong way. I probably would have spent less time, after I'd learned the internal, I would have probably gone to the grapple earlier if I would have had a chance. Right. Mm. So again, not, you know, not, not, uh, not, not, not begrudging any time I spent doing, or also just living in Asia was odd, but I would have, if I would have seen my future career, I probably would have, you know, or I would have found somebody that did judo in China or something, you know, learned to grapple on the ground earlier. That's what I would have done. Cause yeah. you know, you know, you're going to hear people say this and that, but the Chinese martial arts don't have ground grappling too. They have some, they have some rudimentary ground grappling, but there's no real like ground wrestling. And I would have, I would have, uh, I would have liked to start learning that when I was younger, but as far as like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing else. I don't think I would have appeared to myself and said, you know, like, keep your hands up. I don't know. I don't, know what it <laughs> <Yeah. would be. laughs> don't let that guy punch you in the face. <laughs> yeah. So I would have liked, yeah, I would have liked to have started uh, grappling, ground grappling earlier. I feel. Yeah. I mean, me too. That's what I tell my younger self as well, because I yeah. didn't start till I was 39. So it's older than you. You, you notice when you, you're running with 18 year olds, you're thinking, wow, if I'd done this when I was 18. <laughs> but then I, I quite often think, well, if I had, maybe I'd have just got injured because I'd have been doing stupid stuff, you know? <laughs> maybe you never know. You, you might've started that young. It kind of got good and then just lost. It would have been the wrong time. You would have lost the wrong time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing was the timing for things. I mean, that's why that question's hard. It's like, yeah, exactly. Maybe you would have started younger and been injured or you would have burned out too young and then not stayed in and you could have been much better. You don't, you don't know. Right. I mean, the light. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah I, I feel, oh, I might, I might, I feel like one thing is, especially for the young ones, I overtrained a lot, you know, when I was younger, like, like, 
I just, it was almost a, a compulsion to train. And I, I would sometimes knew I needed to take a break and I would hurt myself over training. So there's gotta right. be a, a balance with that as well, especially for the young, the young tend to overtrain. So, mm. you know, you gotta be kind to your body because you're going to live with it. You live in it the rest of your life, right? You got to take it. Yeah. Over. Yeah. You have no conception of what it's going to feel like when you're young and no, what it's going to feel like when you're old, have you? <laughs> they can't picture it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Um, like, I mean, you've, you've watched several phases of martial arts develop, really, haven't you? Like um, the sort of, you know, obsession with the Chinese stuff. And then, you know, the UFC came in and then there was like this sort of jujitsu was sort of taken off really as a like a like a something you can have a career in. Um, yeah. yeah. How, how do you how do you like if you had to say where you thought martial arts was going, like as a, as a, a field, how would you say it's developing? Yeah, it's, in, it's interesting how, how it's hard to predict, you know, and, and how fast things can change. I mean, I mean, like, you know, in the eighties, you would have thought by now the whole world would be ninjas or something, right? Everyone's. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, um, but the Brazilian, I mean, you can say what you want about the personalities and, and even the style, but, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu changed the entire world. I mean, even outside of martial arts. Mm. Without, without Hori and Gracie, there'd be no MMA as we know it even, right? So I think, and I've said this lots of times, I think MMA saved probably, or at least brought realistic training back into vogue because it was kind of out of style. You know what I mean? The people were... Mm doing exotic Asian martial arts and they were competing. I mean, there's some fighting, right? I mean, there's Sanda in China, not that, but you know, how many, how many, how many Americans have, to this day have seen a Sanda match? You know, none, well, hardly anyone, right? You know, there was wrestling here and boxing, but to bring, to bring, uh, in, to have a sport where you're, you're with, you know, the literally the least amount of rules as possible, you know, really to get it done and it be worldwide. And um, I think, Mixed, not, not any particular style, also mixed martial arts as a, as a concept and then, and then is it becoming um, standardized and gone worldwide? It's done more to promote and preserve realistic martial arts than anything in the last thousand years. It's that important. So, um, and, and a huge chunk of that uh, goes to Hori and Gracie and the Gracie family for kind of starting the, you know, the, the worldwide phenomenon. So, um, you know, obviously I did MMA, I coach MMA, I love MMA, but, and it's not the be on it. It's a sport, you know, it has, but it's real fighting, you know, and it's, uh, it's well-rounded fighting. So I, I, I mean, no one could have predicted MMA. You know what I mean? I mean, no one, I, I when, you know, even in the early nineties, when I first saw jujitsu and you're like, Oh, this is cool stuff. Now I can look my whole thing was these guys are like, master ground fighters i don't know how to fight in the ground very well i'll learn this you know you i would have thought it would always have been like a self-defense like ground fighting kind of specialty that would have i thought then it was i go this is going to take off you know it's going to be popular like yeah. i never thought it would have been as big as judo or anything but i thought oh you know all these what i really thought was all these people doing stand-up martial arts are going to cross train in this because it's you know you can learn to ground fight if you would have said you know 20 years from now the whole world would be fighting with you know what we know as mma i, I couldn't have even pictured it so yeah. um, I think now, of course, MMA is obviously here to stay. It's just going to be, it'll just be, I think it'll only get bigger, get bigger and bigger. And jujitsu as well. 
I, I often think about like, you know, Helio lived to see it get big, but I mean, something like Carlos Gracie or someone, they, they have no, if you went back in time and told them how big Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was worldwide, they'd die laughing. They'd be like, there's no yeah. way. They, they never <laughs> got a right. So you know, think about any martial arts style that was, I mean, it's obviously based on old judo, but it's new. You know, the Gracie's learned it in the 1920s. And a hundred years later, it's worldwide. It's in, and every single MMA fighter in the world's got to learn some, that kind of thing. That, that I think no one could have predicted either. So it's interesting. I think now, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, well, it'll level off. It'll be kind of like, you know, like judo and other big styles. It'll be everywhere. <clears throat> and, you know, MMA is good. You know, it's a, it's a worldwide sport. My prediction will be uh, no-gi grappling, submissions grappling, and no-gi Jiu-Jitsu will become dominant. I feel like the gi will always, there'll always be gi tournaments, people doing jiu-jitsu in the gi, but I feel like, because, you know, most wrestling styles are not done in the gi, you know, worldwide. I feel yeah. like it's going to be, uh, you know, maybe 20 years from now, it'll be no gi, it'll be whatever they call it in the Olympics. It'll be submissions grappling with no gi. It's going to be, it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think the tournaments are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. That's my prediction for martial arts in general. Yeah. I've always in two minds about that though, because did you watch the Gordon Ryan uh, Felipe Pena match yeah. from last week? That was it was a long match, it, like because yeah. it was a no time limit one, so it's a bit different. But a lot of it was just two guys standing up and not not doing much, really, just holding each other and yeah. trying to go for a takedown. And I I always think normal people watching this would be like, "What's happening? And why why aren't they doing anything?" and and like jujitsu people watch it and understand what's going on, but I, I always wonder if um, Nogi uh, has a, a built in limitation. I don't think normal people can watch it and understand it. Like, that's true of jujitsu as a whole, probably. I don't know what you think about that, right? So, you're absolutely right. I, I fast forwarded over a whole, uh, you know, a whole chunk of that, <laughs> so, yeah. I did too. I just looked for the bit where they got to the ground, <laughs> yeah, right. So, I know it's true. I mean, I go to coach it jiu-jitsu tournament, gi tournaments, and, you know, 80% of the time you're bored stiff, right? And as I do this for a living, granted, yeah. here's, here's my prediction, though. So that was a, that was a, that was a match under special rules because Gordon Ryan wanted no time limit, right? Yeah. Um, it will go like, like, remember MMA when it first started? That guy's going to the octagon, and it went forever until someone, you know, got murdered or something. So yeah, then they, they instituted rounds, and then whatever. So I think that's what will happen. Like wrestling, they'll have periods, There'll be if it goes if it gets big enough or it, it goes to the Olympics they'll they'll do the same kind of thing they'll they'll have a five minute time limit they'll inst or they'll institute periods or they'll have the stalling they'll have a stalling rule you know what I mean like you're on your feet yeah that's what I think will happen but it'll and then purists will complain like ah oh, you know they should let them drop you know but you can't you can't have unlimited time and you know for every match and every so I think that's what will happen I think it'll be uh, they'll they'll come up with a unified you know, like now, like EBI with Eddie, you know, the EBI, he has the overtime, you know, they have the spider web and the take the back. They'll have things like that where if it goes so much time, they'll, yeah. in, they'll come up with it. I think that's what will happen. That, that, see, that was a strange one because I thought Eddie Bravo cracked it with that rule set. But then it turned into two people who would rather draw than one of them lose. And you, you ended up with this kind of weird stalling thing where they didn't try and do anything until they got to the overtime. And then they got the J over time, and it was just like trying madly to win there. And it, right. then they have things like quintet, where if, if nobody scores during the regulation, you're both you're both out. Yeah, yeah that was good. I mean. I mean, I think they'll come up with whatever is the most exciting rules. I mean, let's face it: if you watch 
you know, just regular like uh, freestyle wrestling in the Olympics. It's really fast. And, you know, mm. it's, it's nonstop action. And most people watch it still. They don't know what's happening and they're bored. You know, it depends if you like it or like any sport, like who watches curling? So, you, you know, <laughs> you, you're always going to have people that are into it and people that aren't. But I feel like, you know, for people that like wrestling, they'll come up with a rule set that'll be as kind of ex as exciting as possible. And I think that I, I think that's going to be the, the next big uh, growth in in yeah. spectator martial arts yeah quintet was good i really enjoyed those and like yeah. you say they had that rule where if you they, 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 it made them try continually yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to keep going because if they both drew then they're both out so yeah you got to change you know abu dhabi rules you know the first five minutes is no points and the original idea was oh guys will do every every crazy attack and it doesn't matter and what happened i fought in a, in a uh, it wasn't Abu Dhabi, it was an Abu Dhabi rules tournament when I was like a purple belt. And we all did the exact same thing. We pretended to wrestle for five minutes and then we because <laughs> you don't want to waste energy. You know, because yeah. you could, you could yeah. expend a bunch of energy to know, you know, if you don't submit the guy and then you're tired and you start with point, right? So, you know, you just have to work out the, the bugs, right? And, and then a lot of, there's a lot of different venues. So, you know, at EBI had a, there's Quintet. So they'll work it out. I think they'll work it out and it'll be, yeah. uh, it'll be good. And then the people start training based on the rule set. That's just the way it goes, right? People are going to try to fight according to the rules. And there's always got to be rules. You can't have no rules and you can't have no time limits. It's just a, it's just, you just have to, it's a sport, you know, submission grappling is a sport. So yeah, we'll go, yeah it'll be, I think it'll work out. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Um, but they just need to get the rules correct. This is a, just a changed hack completely. I mean, do you ever see yourself retiring? Um, because are you gonna be like a Haley Gracie still going at 90, 95? Uh, <laughs> you know what? That's the dream, but I'm pretty sure I don't have the genes for that. <laughs> um, so you know, I, I, uh, I don't know what else I do for one thing. I could, my, my vocation, <laughs> yeah. my hobby are the same thing, so I might as well make money at it. You know what I mean? I feel like I might as well be working some. So, uh, will I teach classes every night? No, not forever. I mean, I, I eventually will. You know, I think a lot of it will depend on um, injury. You know, eventually I'll just be, mm. you know, you'll just be at a point where it, you just hurt or it's too painful or, you know, yeah. you don't want to, or, or, you know, maybe not that bad, but you'd be like, ah, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's hard on you. But I, I feel like, I mean, I get in, injured, you heal up. So, so far, you know, so far, so good. Yeah. And uh, I feel like, I mean, I'm, as long, I feel for me, as long as I physically can, like we talked about, you're going to adjust your level of, of activity and you're going to, you know, not spar as hard as you used to and all that, that, that I understand already. Right. I understand that. But I feel like when I don't have the, when I don't love it anymore, like that, like I don't have that like desire to get better and make my students better faster. I'm done. You know, maybe I just go roll once yeah. in a while because then it's, it's not fair to my students. Right. So if yeah. you don't have like the same, you know if you have the physicality to teach it you're, you're good if you don't have the same level of passion to to get better yourself and become a better coach you shouldn't teach you're, you're now you're cheating your students because you're not doing the best you could right so i feel yeah. like so far i still feel like i still you know i'm in it like i train i i, I watch video i i learn i train with my other people i try to get better i try to always i try to always stream and it's mostly ego i feel like if my students aren't getting better faster i'm failing like i'm a failure as a teacher as well so yeah. i try to always think like I have like kind of a two-pronged approach. I try to figure out in general how I can teach the same skills 
faster, like is more drilling appropriate to learn that is, and then I try to really pay attention to the individual student. Cause you know, you know, too, from teaching people learn differently and some people need mm. just a little bit of help. Some people need to feel it every single time. Some, and I try to like, you know, ind- kind of individualize the instruction. And when that's no longer there, yeah, I'll hang it up. I'll just go roll and not have to worry about anybody else. Yeah. So I don't know what the timeline is on that. That's the thing with jujitsu though, isn't it? Like there's always something new to learn. Um, I mean, that's what keeps me interested as well is I constantly looking for better ways to do things. And then someone comes up with something like, oh, that's amazing. I've got to figure that out. And then it's, it's, it's um, yeah, it keeps my mind active, which is great. Yep. You have always something to learn and you need to be, you know, at your level now as well, you need, you need to think on your own, right? You understand the stuff. So you're like, oh, I can come up with a better way, right? If, they, if someone yeah. asks, you can do it. So yeah. it all goes <laughs> very, very interesting. Yeah, I was gonna say, and then he's like the, the challenge of teaching it to other people. Like I have, for some reason, the students that come to me seem to all be tall, and I'm not tall. So <laughs> I, I'm constantly going, well, I do this, but this isn't going to work for you. And then I have to, I have to figure out a version of this that's going to work for, for them right. as well, which is, which is, is, is interesting. And I don't, I don't know why I don't attract shorter people into my classes but <laughs> i don't know what that's about at all no, but it's, it's just the way it is being a good coach you you don't you don't say well you can't do this you're tall right you figure out a way to teach it yeah so that's yeah. Exactly the kind of passion as a teacher i'm talking about and you you get better because you have to figure something out to help you know like like once mm. you're at uh, whatever level and you start teaching you get better much quicker because you have to think way outside your normal comfort zone because you have to convey that if not only do you have to be able to do it but convey that information right and there's all different problems you're going to run into and you have to think about it more so that's good i mean it's exactly as long as you you have the passion to do that you should be teaching once you once you're kind of like phoning it in and you're, you're like, well, you're <laughs> yeah yeah somebody else yeah i mean you can, it's okay for you to train on your own but you shouldn't you shouldn't be trying to help teaching teaching is helping people right it's yeah. not not telling them what to do it's not being dogmatic about things. I mean, you, you know, you've got to, you've got to, they have to pay attention and all, but it's, you're trying to help them get better at it. That's really your, your job. And if you don't care about them, you shouldn't be teaching. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's brilliant. Wow. So, uh, so if people want to um, get hold of you or uh, have you got any seminars coming up that um, uh, you can let people know about? I, yeah. Around the States, I have, uh, you can find it all online, but I have different groups. I have a, a, a group, this is all jujitsu in, uh, yeah. in Portland, Oregon. Um, I teach in uh, Tucson, Arizona, internal. I have a few groups around the country. I teach in New York City. I teach, you know, but they're, most of them are, are jujitsu oriented. Those are kind of like uh, ongoing. So if anyone's mm-hmm. in, you know, if you're in whatever area and you're interested, you, can, you should be able to find it online. And then, um, yeah, I was going to Europe every year until the pandemic killed my Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. But maybe, maybe, I, you know, maybe I'll be back. It's it kind of all the whole thing fell apart during the, after the pandemic. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get back. Because uh, you were in the south of France, I think it was, wasn't it? Um, yeah, we go to Paris, Lille, uh, Cologne, sometimes Amsterdam, uh, London. Oh, right. Okay. So I would travel around. But um, yeah, that that's not going on now, unfortunately. So uh, yeah, you can find I, I'm not much for advertising myself but it's it's i have a website shungwood.com it's ancient but you can find some info on there and yeah, uh, cool. uh ace ace jiu-jitsu if you want to uh, contact me at the academy or interested anybody's interested in doing jiu-jitsu or coming out to train 
everyone's welcome to come. Uh, that's that's about it. Yeah, I don't have much of an online presence after that. Well, it's been amazing talking to you. I've taken up an hour of your time, so I'm conscious I, I don't want to take up more, but uh, you're an absolute wealth of information, Tim. Thank you, thank um, you very much. And thank you for sharing it with, with everyone. Um, I don't know if there's anything you want to want to finish off with. Uh, no, that was, I, I, it was, I very much appreciate you having me. It's, it was, uh, it was interesting. It was a little bit different, like you said, than I normally, you know, things we normally talk about. I, I, I'm happy to have the opportunity to, you know. Yeah. I, I, I like to look forward, not back. So like, I, I like to, you know, I think, I think a lot of podcasts, they go down this road of, you know, whenever they get a guest on, they have to explain their whole life story. And I'm, I quite often, I just want to come on, get to what you're doing now is what I, I always, I always feel it's more interesting. Yeah, no, I agree. People can always look you up online as well if they want to, you know, see some yeah. It's always usually available. So, no, I appreciate it. It was uh, a lot of fun. Cool. Well, thanks very much, Tim. Uh, it's been lovely having you on, and uh, I hope to talk to you again at some point in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. You can find out more about the Tai Chi Notebook podcast at www.thetaichinotebook.com. You can support us by becoming a patron. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Tai Chi Notebook. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll tune in next time. Bye.